I don't know if any of you are movie people, like watching movies. I'm not one of those people. I just really don't like the movies that are being made these days. About the only time I watch a movie is if I'm on a flight to somewhere, like to Tanzania or to Israel. It was on one of those such flights that I saw the 2015 movie, The Martian. You know, with Matt Damon, who stars as an astronaut physicist who goes to Mars but gets stranded there on Mars. He uses his training and his wits, his perseverance and potatoes to survive until his friends back on Earth can figure out how to get him back home. But imagine for a moment if the mission had really no intention of coming back. Imagine going on a mission where you would leave everything and everyone, your family, your friends, everything, to go to a place with no hope of ever coming back again. Spending your rest of your lives on Mars there, seeing nothing but red rocks. It sounds like a depressing movie scenario, but it's actually an idea proposed by a Dutch nonprofit called Mars One. Their idea is to send an initial crew of four to Mars to establish a colony by 2030 and then send more crew every two years where Mars would be their permanent home where they would live and work and study the planet. How many of you would sign up for a mission like that? I mean, you think it'd be hard to get people to sign up for a mission like that, but when the initial call went out, they received over 200,000 applications to be one of those astronauts to go to Mars. Yeah, <laughs> they were, the, of those, uh, uh, those 200,000 applicants, they, they found quite a few that were uh, people that were signed up by other people, though, as well. <laughs> they weren't the actual names on the applications. But, <laughs> you know, the whole idea here was that they would go to Mars and they called down the applications to 100 people, um, equally split between male and female there. And it ranged from doctors to uh, unemployed 20-somethings there. The main qualification was how the people would deal with isolation and whether they could accept the fact that they were never coming back to Earth. One of the people who made the cut was a guy named Peter Felgentreff, who was a 50-year-old entrepreneur from San Francisco. He says that he know, he said, you know, I've been fascinated with all things science and I really like this idea of being an astronaut. He is willing to leave his wife and family behind, must be a good marriage, and go uh, to Mars there. He says, well, if I stay here, I'll probably die on Earth anyway. Well, duh. <laughs> now, there are people who say that it's not sustainable at this time. And MIT analysis of this situation said that they believe that people would start dying from oxygen-related issues about 68 days into the mission. But the technology just 
isn't here at that time. Now, NASA, as you may know, also plans a mission to Mars by the year 2030, but they plan on bringing the astronauts back so they don't have to deal with the sustainability issue. It's a kind of intriguing yet terrifying proposition, isn't it? A mission from which there is no return. As followers of Jesus, we know that he has uh, given us a similar sort of one-way mission as well. Of course, our mission is not going out of this world, but going into the world to invite people to become citizens of the kingdom of heaven. This isn't an otherworldly proposition. This is a proposition for the world. And it's an extremely dangerous proposition, says Jesus. It may cost you everything. It may be a one-way ticket. Jesus is the visionary of this mission and demonstrates to the initial crew how it may work. He says in Matthew, our gospel lesson today, 935, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and sickness. The crowds that came to Jesus were living in an unsustainable environment. They were harassed and helpless, as Jesus said, like sheep without a shepherd. Their leaders, both civic and religious leaders, had failed them. And they were looking for a new future home. Jesus was pointing to that new future home. He was enabling it to come into the world through his preaching and teaching. Jesus called it the reign and rule of God on earth. Now, the harvest language that we saw in that section of chapter 9 usually refers to the eschatological return of God to earth. And Jesus says that while the potential harvest is great, the initial crew would be quite small. And then he calls his disciples to ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the labor or into the harvest field. Now, when we hear that verse, most of the time we assume that Jesus is asking us to pray for pastors or church workers. That's part of it, but not the whole thing. Really, Jesus is saying that all his disciples have a part in the harvest. We're all part of the potential harvest of bringing people into God's kingdom, sharing with them the invitation for the kingdom of God. In chapter 10 of Matthew, our gospel lesson, Jesus names the initial crew, you know, 12 of them that made the cut. And by all standards of qualification, it was a ragtag bunch that he had initially, right? Fishermen, uh, a tax collector, a revolutionary, um, a loudmouth, even a shifty betrayer among them. And yet Jesus gathers them together and trains them, demonstrating the skills that were necessary. He gave them authority over the demons to cast them out and to heal all kinds of diseases. That'd be some cool skills to have. 
But those were the skills necessary in the first century to demonstrate that the kingdom of God is not only a spiritual kingdom, but a physical kingdom as well. God sends them out through Jesus then. And Jesus understood that humans kind of need an initial test, an, an, a way in which to um, try out things first. And like Mars One, who has set up a fake outpost to uh, test the skills and the psychological abilities of the, the finalists to accomplish the mission, so Jesus sets up a scenario for his disciples to go out and to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And as you noticed in our gospel lesson, this scenario had some uh, specific components to it as well. First thing with the initial crew there, um, his training mission, it was a specific target. Did you notice that? He said, don't go to the Samaritans and the Gentiles. That'll come later. That'll come on the permanent mission trip after the ascension. First go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He also then gave them a specific goal. What were they to do? Proclaim the good news. They were proclaim the good news that the king had arrived and that his kingdom has drawn near to them. And they were to demonstrate that not only by words, but by actions as well. Casting out demons, healing diseases. There was a sustainability plan. The disciples probably thought, okay, we're going to have some logistical issues that we have to deal with here now to make this mission happen. And Jesus says, no, you're going to have to depend on the hospitality of strangers. Take no money with you, no extra gear, nothing but what's on your back. You're going to learn to depend on the goodness of strangers, which in effect is depending on God to sustain them as well. You're going to go to hostile environments and also welcoming environments. And you need to learn to be prepared to deal with both of those situations. Then he paints a realistic picture of the future. It's going to be a dangerous mission. You will have a little taste of that danger in this short-term mission trip that you're going on. You're going to be sheep among wolves. You're going to hit hostile winds from both the civic and religious leaders. You will suffer for being associated with Christ. And yet, he says, don't fear, because God is with you. So these apostles, these sent ones, go out. And as the New Testament unfolds, we understand all that God had in store for them on their permanent mission. All 12 of them left into the Roman world at that time. Some of them met with severe hostilities, martyred in uh, uh, some horrific ways, sawn in two, skinned alive, beheaded. They were crucified on a cross. Some were exiled and banished away from everything and everyone they loved and knew. And despite all the risks, they go. They go because they know the benefit 
for the entire world, that they are pioneers of the new creation. They are colonists for the kingdom of God, and they will point the way for others to become citizens of that kingdom. God has us on a similar mission in our lives today, in this world, the church, the body of Christ. Today, though, we kind of um, see the church as a safe haven, you know, a way to escape from the violence of this world, a place that we can gather where we're not bullied or called names or ridiculed or persecuted. We sometimes forget that the church is actually set up by Jesus to be a training ground, a launching pad to send us out into the world to proclaim the good news. We should really revisit this sustainability, this, this training plan here, and ask ourselves those same questions. You know, who is our target? Who is God leading you to talk to about his kingdom? What family member, what friend, what neighbor, what co-worker is he leading you to, to proclaim the good news? What is our goal? If we are to proclaim the good news, both present and the future, are we doing it in both word and deed? Where in the community are we confronting evil? How are we providing healing in both body and soul for our neighbors? What is our sustainability plan? Are we hoarding our resources just to make sure that the institution of the church survives? Or are we depending on God's daily bread and using our resources to advance the kingdom of God. And then, what are we willing to risk? Are we willing to be at odds with a culture that denies Jesus and denies goodness? Are we willing to be laughed at and persecuted and ridiculed for proclaiming Christ? Are we willing to risk it all for the sake of the kingdom. Signing up for the mission of Jesus may lead to a one-way ticket. The only promise Jesus gave to his disciples was a cross. And there's only one way to come back from the cross, a resurrection. As Jesus said, whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Peter Felgentreff is willing to leave all, even his wife, to go on this mission to Mars. He says, all new ideas are risky, and I believe this is a risk worth taking. Jesus would tell us that there is no greater risk 
than the mission of the kingdom of God. That risk is worth it. (laughs) 